Well, good morning. It is great to be here. Great to be out from the outside, out of the heat. I want to say a special thank you to the choir. Uh, wonderful um, offering this morning as a, for the act of praise. I also want to mention uh, Reverend Jenny Allen, who is filling in for Alicia. Um, thank you so much for being here with us. As Alicia is off to take Aiden, their son Aiden, to Hattiesburg to move him into his dorm for his freshman year. All these transitions just keep coming wave after wave after wave. Um, Leanne and I will be taking Jess to Tuscaloosa um, this Thursday for his move-in day on Friday. So just another transition. We're all kind of making our way through. Um, we have been in this, in this sermon series, um, Blessings, and last week we spent some time in Luke chapter 6, and we talked about how Jesus had called the twelve. He had gone up this mountain for prayer, and in this season, in this time of prayer, he had called the twelve disciples, apostles, gathered them together, called them by name. And after he made this call upon them, he led them down the mountain. And when he had reached the plain, the level, level, level ground, he sat down and began to teach them what it means to follow him down the mountain and onto the plain and into, the, into life, following Jesus as, his, as their Messiah. What does that look like? What does that mean? And we have this Sermon on the Plain, what other Gospels call Sermon on the, on the Mount. And he begins by telling them all these blessings. As the, as the world, as we, as the culture, understood people as cursed, the kingdom of God calls them blessed. Blessed are you who are hungry, because you will feast. Blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are you who grieve because you will laugh. Blessed are you who curse people and people revile you and speak ill of you and lie about you on the, by the name of Jesus because you will receive the kingdom of God. Over and over, Jesus begins to reiterate what the kingdom of God is all about. It says, God comes into the world, intersects and intervenes. There are reversals of fortune. Where there was grief, there will be laughter. Where there was hunger, there will be feasting. Think about this. Think about what it means to have this reversal of fortune. When God, when the kingdom of God comes near and we begin to witness what that looks like, what that feels like, as those who are empty are filled, those who are hungry are fed, those who are thirsty are giving plenty to drink, those who are homeless have places, mansions, Think about the reversals of fortune that our world needs, that the kingdom of God provides. And I want us to kind of always keep this, this understanding of the kingdom of God as Luke lays it out, what that means, that people, that humanity will see a reversal of fortune, a reversal of the conditions of humanity. 
Today we're going to read from Luke chapter 5. This is one of the call stories. Luke, Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, is the call of Simon Peter. And I want us to hear these words. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats, so that both that they, that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. May God bless the reading of the word. Thanks be to God. How many of you have ever had the pleasure... Helping your father work on a car. Isn't it just a joy? When I was a child, I used to try to help. I wanted to help my dad. My dad could fix anything. Cars, boats, motors, washing machines, dryers, roofs, you name it, he could do it. He wasn't afraid to tackle any project. There was nothing too small, nothing too big for my dad to take on. And he would invite me to help. Something like this. What are you doing? I'm watching TV. Well, get some shoes on and come out and help me. <laughs> In the carport, I'm working on the car. And my job was normally to be a gopher. Go get this, go get that, go get this. Every now and then, I was given the great, oh, the great privilege and responsibility to hold the flashlight. Now, that was a big day. And he would say something like, hold it right here. And so I would put it right where his hands were. And then within about 30 seconds, I'm like this. <laughs> and so, of course, right here, a flight right here. 30 seconds later, didn't go well. It never ended well. So then I'd be sent for other tools, things I didn't know what they were. They may not have even existed. So then he would say something like, just go inside. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> but I wanted to help. I really and truly wanted to help. I didn't have any of that mechanic. I had no leanings mechanic that my dad did. None whatsoever. But I really wanted to be out there with him, just hanging. And he would let me. To be, I mean, to be fair, to be honest, he, he would let me. He would say, just, just hold, you know, hold this, hold that. And, then, and then, then he would say, all right, I've got to tighten this nut up. 
and I need you to hold it here. And so I would get the wrench and I would hold it. And he would be on the other side and begin to tighten up. And before long, you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm, <laughs> I'm shaking to death like a leaf. He's tightening this thing down. I did all I could. I learned a little bit. Maybe that's why we do it. Maybe that's why we want to help. We want to learn something. And I learned a little bit along the way. I never could. He's forgotten more than I'll ever know about repairs and mechanics. Or maybe I just wanted to be, or maybe we all just want to be a part of something, be a part of the team to do something. Maybe that's it. Just to be in the company of something being done. Or maybe we want to see something done for, to fruition from the start to the end, to see it done, completion. Because so often in life, in, in, in our jobs and in life, we just don't see completion. We work and we work and we work and we work and we do and we do and we do towards some goal that we may never see. But we have faith and we have hope that it will be done. And that's, the Bible has littered with that understanding. The prophets, the disciples, the kings, they all lived with this understanding. They're, going to, they're working towards something they may never see. Not in this life. But they keep working for it. For the next, for the next, for the next generation and after and after. But there's no sense of completion. So maybe that's why we want to help. It's just to have that sense. Or maybe, maybe we just want to help. Maybe there's been a time in our life that we were helped. We were in need. We, were, we had reached our end and we could not accomplish something. And we just needed some help. And somebody helped us. And so in a fair turn, we offer help to others who are in need. And we offer everything we can. And it may be only holding the flashlight or being a gopher. Or maybe it's actually knowing what you're doing. And the church is about that. We've offered this blessing for all the helpers in the church. Helping in the church is a deep theological strong point. Without help without an understanding, a theological, deep understanding of help, the church would not even exist. Because Christ created the church with an understanding that we need help. Each and every one of us, to be this community of faith, we need help. We can't do it by ourselves. None of us can do it by ourselves. Kristen and I, we cannot do it by ourselves. You cannot do it by yourself. You can't do church by yourself, and you can't do life by yourself. There are things that come along that we just cannot do. And I spent some time thinking, what would it look like if I tried to do church? I'll just take one part of church. Let's take Sunday morning. If I tried to do Sunday morning by myself, what would it look like? More importantly, what would it sound like? I don't play any instruments. Thank you, Jenny, for being here. Thank you, Joe, for being here. I play nothing. I can't carry a tune in a bucket. You don't want me leading any hymns? I don't want to lead hymns. I'm not so sure God wants me to lead hymns. There are things I cannot do. And the beauty and the richness of the church and this faith community is that we have so many gifts gathered in one place. So many personalities and experiences and voices in one place, moving towards one goal. 
the love of God, the revealing and the witnessing of the kingdom of God. And Jesus understood that we cannot do it by ourselves. Not one of us. So think about all the, the, think about the jobs and the careers, the professions that are in this room. And they all require help. Nobody can do it by themselves. Jesus understood that. And in this passage in Luke chapter 5, we have Jesus showing us again that we can't do this by ourselves. We we're told that, that Jesus has been walking along the, the Sea of Gennesaret, which is another name for the Sea of Galilee. And, and he's been walking along, and he's been walking with his disciples, those followers. He hasn't called them yet, not by name, not the 12. But they're following. They, they want to know who he is and what he's doing, and they want to be close. And, and in fact, they're not the only ones. There are people from all over who are gathering in around Jesus as he travels, as he teaches, as he heals, as he offers miracles. And they, people want to, they want to experience this. And we're told they pressed in so much upon Jesus and, the, and his followers that he finally was like out of room. He had no space. And he asked Simon Peter if he could just climb in his boat and just push out a little bit, give him a little space. And we're told he, he climbed in that boat and Simon Peter pushed off into some shallow water away from the shore and Jesus sat down. Takes the posture of a rabbi, of a teacher, and begins to teach. Now, I've never been to the Sea of Galilee, but from what I understand, around this area there would have been um, hills going up from the, from the shoreline, creating natural amphitheaters around the shore. And that's where the crowd would have gathered. And Jesus is out in the water, in the shallow water, sitting, talking, teaching. Simon Peter and his partners are there in the boat, and they're listening. And then when he finishes teaching, we're not, we're not told what he taught or what he said. But he tells Peter to push out into deeper water and to lower his nets. Now follow this movement. Simon is there on the shore cleaning his net from a fruitless, fruitless night of fishing. I don't know if you've ever been fishing, but if you've ever been and caught nothing, they say it's a bad day fishing is better than a good day at work. I, I don't know. A bad day fishing in the, is a bad day fishing. And if you're relying on fishing for your livelihood, a bad day fishing is a bad day. And so when Jesus says, I want you to push out into deeper water and lower the nets that you've been lowering all night for nothing. Lower the nets that you've spent time mending and cleaning that caught nothing for hours upon hour. What did he think? What was Simon Peter and his, what were his partners thinking? Well, we, we're told, we've done this all night, Jesus, but if you say go out there and drop them, we'll 
will lower the nets. They lower the nets in deep water and they catch so many fish that as they begin to pull the nets in, they begin to break. And Peter, seeing the, the problem, calls for help, calls to his partners to bring their boat over to help pull in this net and this enormous catch of fish. And we're told that both boats were beginning to sink because of this catch, this enormous, miraculous catch, this reversal of fortune from empty nets to full nets, from empty boats to full boats. As they make their way to shore, they climb out of the boats. I imagine they unhaul the nets. And we're told they walked away. They followed Jesus. So follow the movement of this story. They're cleaning their nets after fruitfulness, fruitlessness, no catch. They cast off the, sh the, the boats into the shallow water to hear teaching, to hear Jesus teach with authority. And then they push further into deeper water where they catch a miraculous net full, boat full. They've seen the reversal of fortune. They've seen the kingdom of God come near and it has changed everything. And they go back to shore they unload the boats, and they leave. They leave everything. They leave the boats, the nets, their families. They leave everything. This story tells us something about help. It tells us that, yes, Peter recognized that he could not do this alone, that his boat needed some help. He was he reached his maximum capacity, and he still needed some help. But in recognizing his need for help, he recognized he was a sinful man. Not worthy to be in the presence of Jesus. Not worthy to be in the boat. And he bows down to Jesus' feet and tells him, I am a sinful man. In recognizing his need for help, he recognizes his own brokenness, his own limitations. And he looks to Christ as wholeness. When he reaches out and he calls for help to his friends, to his partners, he invites them to witness the kingdom of God reversing their fortunes. Think about that. Think about what we do, what we are allowed to do when we acknowledge and we recognize that we need help, that we are sinful that we are broken and we are weak and we have limitations. And when we call out to help, it's quite possible we're inviting all those who will come, all those who will come to our side, to our aid, to be our helper, to witness the kingdom of God changing the world in our midst. That's a powerful thing. That's a deep theological thought this whole notion of help. And so my hope and my prayer for us as a church is to embrace that we all need help, that we all have limitations, that we're all broken in some way, and we just need some help. 
We need divine intervention and we need one another. And just as we need, those around us need. And as we invite, as we accept our our limitation and our brokenness and we acknowledge the brokenness of others, we invite each other to help. And when we do that, we invite them to witness the kingdom of God doing miraculous reversals of fortune in our midst. That's the church. That's the work of the community of faith. That's the work of help. And today, that's why we have recognized and we have offered blessings for all those who help. Whether it's running to get a crescent wrench or holding a flashlight or dressing flowers or dressing the altar or serving the hungry or cooking for one another. However we help one another and however we call for help, we're inviting the world to see the kingdom of God reversing our fortunes and reversing not just ours, but the fortunes of the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.